Good morning, Reach Church. It's good to be with you. So, we are, we are one week past Easter, and he is still risen, so we still remember that. Uh, he is still the resurrected Lord. Uh, so, last time we looked at uh, the very beginning of Romans 12, Romans 12.1. Now, so we're jumping back into our Roman series, and for, for 11 chapters, for 11 chapters, we're looking at the work of Christ. We're looking at what Jesus Christ had done in his death and resurrection, that it was the work of Jesus that saves. It is not our works, it is the work of Jesus. And so, the emphasis was on, was on faith, it was on grace, it was on the Holy Spirit. That we are saved by faith, by grace, by the power of the Spirit, applying the work of Jesus, not our works. The work of Jesus to our lives and saving us. Now, for 11 chapters, we did that. And now at Romans 12, there's a shift. Only now are we being told what we should do, how we respond to this gospel. We have to make sure that we keep that order, that it's Jesus Christ who did all of the work, who did it perfectly, who did it sufficiently to save. And now, now and only now, after 11 chapters, do we respond to that gospel with works is really important. It's the foundation of what Christ has already done. And then, then the result of that is kind of obvious. That, of course, we just need to work out and live like that gospel is actually true. And so Paul, Paul gives us kind of this, this brief, brief synopsis, a kind of a summary of what the work that we should do, the response that we should have to the gospel is. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Let's, let's turn there. Let's, we're going to turn to Romans 12. So let's all turn to Romans 12. Romans 12. All right, we're all getting there. All right, all right. Good, good. All right. All right. Romans 12, 1 through 2. This is the summary. The summary of the works that, that he has called us to. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. All right, so we see two main responses that we have to this gospel. First, we see sacrifice. To sacrifice. That we to be living sacrifices, that we die with Christ with resurrection hope. That's what we talked about last week that that resurrection hope enables us to sacrifice things we never thought we could sacrifice because we're looking to that resurrection. But this week, this week we're looking at that second, that second verse, verse 2, that in our response to the gospel, we are transformed. We are transformed. And the transformation happens by by just living as if the reality of the gospel, the reality of the resurrection, the reality of Jesus Christ's work is true. And what we learn to do is we start testing, testing the world and testing our actions, testing our thoughts, testing our emotions to see if they're living like the gospel is true. If... if Okay, if I do this, would it be a natural overflow of the gospel? Would it reflect the gospel? 
And we continue to test and test and test and filter everything through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is this action reflecting the fact that there is an eternity ahead of me? Does it reflect a, a God who came and died for me, who is risen and who is alive? Do I reflect the gospel? And that's going to be the rest of the chapter, is just playing out the gospel and saying, okay, if the gospel is true, how does it, what does it mean for your life? Now this week we're focusing on one specific application of that. We're focusing on what it means for you as individuals and us as a, as a community of believers. How does the gospel shape how you should think about yourself and how you should think about this body of believers, fellow people with faith in Christ? All right? So that's going to be our goal this morning, is we're going to look at how the gospel applies to ourselves, to this community, and then what that means for our responsibility to one another as the body of Jesus Christ. Sound good? All right, all right, let's apply the gospel. So let's turn to Romans 12. Uh, we're going to look at, look at Romans 3 through 8 today in depth. Romans 12, 3 through 8. Read with me. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts, in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. Father, as we, as we look at your word and we look at your commandments, we ask that you would help us to see Christ, that we would see them in light of what you've already done for us, the sufficiency of your salvation by the cross and by the resurrection. And Father, I ask that our hearts would be changed, um, not superficially, but deeply by what you've done. And Father, may we think of ourselves differently, may we think of our body differently, and Father, may we think of uh, our responsibility to this community differently. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so, first of all, how does the gospel shape how we think about ourselves? How does it change how you think about yourself as an individual right here and now? 12.3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. All right. So when we start to think about ourselves, the first thing that Paul reminds us is not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. He's calling us to humility, to think of ourselves in, in reality. Now, that's going to have implications for when we talk about community, but for now, what does the gospel say about you? What does the gospel say about you? 
Now, we had some harsh chapters before in Romans, Romans 1, 2. We saw, we saw that we are sinners. We saw that we are dead in our transgressions. We saw that we are desperately in need of Christ. That even our, our best works are filthy rags. That we could never earn salvation. That from the beginning, we had no hope of earning that for ourselves. And we learned that if we are going to be saved, we throw, throw ourselves at the feet of the cross. That at the foot of the cross, completely dependent upon God, in Christ, completely dependent on the blood of Jesus, are we saved. Now that's the reality of, of how we relate to God. And now, now he's saying, okay, if that's the reality, how do you think of yourself? How do you think of yourself as an individual? And he's saying, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Because the reality is that, okay, we receive this gospel, and we say, yes, I desperately need God. I couldn't help myself. And then in the day-to-day, -day, we live like we're totally independent, that we're totally self-sufficient, that we can get through this life on our own, we cut ourselves off from community. We live as individuals. The gospel reality of humility hasn't actually translated into our daily lives. And we'd say, yes, yes, give me the blood of Jesus. Please, blood of Jesus, cover me. But I don't want a handout. And, and I, don't, I don't need anyone's sympathy. I don't need anyone's help. And we, and we we're living out of, out of accord with the gospel. And so Paul is saying, the reality is, you needed Christ before, and you need Christ's help now. And you need the help of the body of believers. And that, that's not weakness, that's, just, that's true humility. That you needed Christ before, and you need Christ's help now in the body of Christ that you need ongoing encouragement, that you need teaching, you need support. And that's what the body is here for. And that's where the, the blessing of Christ is not just this one-time salvation. It is that, but it's more than that. It's that Christ has come in the form of his body, the body of believers, to help us in the, in the Christian walk. That yes, Christ came and gave grace in that form, and he came to give grace in this form. The body of believers supporting you in your needs. And if we're humble enough to receive that, we'll also start to see that the gospel is much bigger than just a spiritual salvation. It's actually helping in real life, everyday tangible life, the body of believers helping one another. And the question is, okay, are you humble enough to receive the body of Christ like that. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. All right, but, but. All right, some of, some of you have, have received that with great gladness. Uh, but then we go on the other way. And if you, if you get a bunch of mature Christians together, they basically just bash on themselves the whole time. 
and say that they're all worse than the other one, and I have no faith, I'm just full of sin, I, have, I don't have any giftings. Um, all right, that's not, that's not the goal either. All right, that's not, that's not actually humility, that's false humility. And that's not recognizing the gifts that we have been given. So yes, we talked about how, how we're dependent upon grace, the free gift of salvation, but we also talked about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has given you faith. The Holy Spirit has given each of us gifts. He has blessed us. And if that is true, there's going to be some things that you're actually kind of good at. All right? And what, what Paul is telling you to is, is humility, but not, not humility towards the end of hating yourself, but humility that you actually know yourself. Real self-knowledge. And so you can say, okay, I'm bad at this, but I think God has actually given me great faith in this other area. Look what he says. He says, think of yourself according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Some of you have received faith in areas that I don't have. That each other doesn't have. That you have greater faith to do things that, than other people in this community. All right, well, we'll take, take some examples. Let's take encouragement. Encouragement. All right, what does encouragement take? Encouragement takes uh, great faith in, in what the Holy Spirit is doing in people. And you see it, and you recognize it. And the hope is that in encouragement, you kind of like overflow with this showering of, of praise and adoration and a recognizing of the Spirit. All right, I don't have that gift. I don't have that gift. So if, if, if the hope is that you're like showering someone with lots of praise, like, you know in a hotel, we get like the bad shower head that's like the like little dribbles and you kind of don't get wet and even without hair, you don't get your shampoo out. Um, I'm that kind of encourager. And so I apologize. There's probably been times where I'm like supposed to encourage you and it's like, yeah, you got like a couple sentences out and I was like, I did it. Um, Pray for Casey. That's the truth of our marriage. Um, I'm just not that good at it. And I apologize. Um, and that's where, like, there's differences in faith. Now, if, if, if another gifting is looking at the scripture and holding people to it, like, okay, I'll do that one. Um, but there's different faith. There's different gifts. And, and some people's faith allows them to do mercy ministry to just pour out gifts on people who, who don't deserve it. Because they understand that is the gospel and they're good at doing that. There's other people who see sinful little children and just want to love them because they recognize, no, that's, that's, that's the gospel. It's loving kids who are sinners just like I'm a sinner that the, the kingdom is for the children of God. All right, there's different giftings. And my challenge to you guys is to know yourself to know where God has given you an extraordinary measure of faith. You need to know those things. And it's not, it's not arrogant to know where you are gifted. It's just recognizing that the Holy Spirit is present in each and every one of us and he has given us faith. All right? Are we cool with that? And that's where, uh... all right, so that's how you think about yourself. That's how we think about ourselves. Think about ourselves soberly. 
And the reality is that the gospel helps us do that. Because you don't have to be the superstar. You don't have to be the standalone Christian. That wasn't the vision for our lives. That we'd be self-sufficient and, and perfect as we are. No, the vision was that you would be gifted in one area, a few areas, and you'd be dependent upon the group. You'd be dependent upon this community. You'd actually continue to be humble and need faith. And that takes, us, that takes us to the community. So how does the gospel shape how we think about this community of believers, the church? Look at verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So if we play out the gospel, the gospel puts us in the body of Christ. All right. So we, we've been talking about how, how faith unites us to Jesus. Unites us to Jesus. So when Jesus died, we died. When we raise from the dead, we raise with Jesus because we are united to him. But part of that reality is that if I'm united to Jesus and you're united to Jesus, we're then united to each other. That suddenly we find ourselves in the same body. That we are different. We are different members of this body. We're different body parts. But we can't help it. We are, we are tied together in our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's where we together, those of you who have faith in Christ, we are together in the body. We are one body in Jesus Christ. There's no getting out of that. And that's the, that's the reality of the Christian life. And that's why it's so important to have self-knowledge. That's why it's important to know yourself because you play an important role in the body. That if, if you are a hand, you are the hand. And no one can do the hand's work for you. If you are the eye, no one else is going to be able to see for the body. If you are the ear, no one else is able to hear for the body. And we're dependent upon one another. And that's where, unfortunately, we try to live like, like disembodied hands. All right. All right. Do you remember that the, the horror movies from way back when? I don't even remember them. I've just heard about. Them. So like, uh, there's the, the horror movie. It's like a it's a dismembered hand, and the hand like runs around and usually strangles people because how else is a hand gonna kill someone? So that like, it like the, the hand comes and gets you. Um, I play that with Remy a lot. You know, the disembodied hand. Um, all right. It always bothered me. Like, all right, this is stupid, but how does the hand know where to go to strangle someone? It can't hear anything. It's not seeing. Maybe it's sensing vibrations. That's, that's the best explanation I can give. Um, or it's stupid because it, it, it's, it's not supposed to be moving. That's, that's the, the, it's the magic or something. Um, it doesn't make sense for a body part to be without its body. Now, that may be obvious, but that's the reality of the church. 
Now, if you are a spleen, you have no function outside of the body. And if you're an eye, you don't have any function outside of the body. And so, the more you live independent of the church, first of all, the less meaning you're going to have. You're going to be dead. The disembodied hand, it doesn't live, it dies. It withers and dies. It cannot do its work. To the extent that we're cut off from the body, we're, extent, we're cut off from the, the work that we are called to do in Jesus. And on the other hand, uh, oh, other hand. <laughs> I wouldn't have caught that, but Morgan laughed. So, <laughs> um, addition, additionally, um, thankfully we are in the body because if you're a hand, no one's asking you to see. And I feel like as we individualize the Christian life, then more and more weight is put on put on us. And that, okay, you have to do everything. You're responsible for mercy. You're responsible for orphans. You're responsible for, for the poor. You're responsible for teaching. Like, you don't have to do everything. And if you're a part of the body, you're supporting the body, and the work of Christ is getting done corporately. The more and more you are independent and by yourself, the more and more terrifying and impossible the Christian life becomes. You are not asked to do everything. You are, you are asked to do your role in the body of Christ. Now, I recognize that some of you guys don't know what your role is. You don't know what your gift is. Um, that's partially my job, is to help you figure it out. And so if you feel like you don't know, talk to me. Talk to me. That is, that is part of my job, is to figure out what your role is. But find out your role. Find out where you fit in the body and get connected to it. All right, finally, finally. What is your responsibility then if you are a member of the body of Christ? Now, this is very obvious. You're supposed to use your gift. Look at verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Use your gifts. Use your gifts in the body. Uh, additionally, if you don't know where to use your gifts or how to use your gifts, talk to me about that. We need to find you a place to use your gifts because you are the body. We're just, we need to find out your role. Um, now, this, this, this application kind of scares me because um, there's a very clear application. And you all will know if you're doing it or not. And so in some sense, I'm, I'm open to condemning you because you know better now that you have a gift and you need to use it. And so my prayer is that you would do something with this sermon that you'd come to know your gifting better, that you'd get involved in the body, that you'd find a role in the church. That's, that's the only application, really, to this passage. And you can take that or you can leave that.
Now, before I, before I leave you, uh, I don't want to be a, that it, it's guilt or it's fear that is driving you to want to be part of this body. And so, so the last thing is, uh, two things. Why you should want to be part of the body and then why you should want to serve in the body. This is the important part where the rubber hits the road. Why do you want to do it? And that's where we go back to Romans 1 through 11. That kind of stuff. That's the motivation for why you want to do this. And first of all, why do you want it? Why do you want to do this? All right. Christ is not physically present. He is not physically present. He has a real body. He has a human body. He's up in heaven. He's not here. And the reality is, if Jesus were here, he'd be doing things. And I think we can sense that there's more that we want than just that every time we say, oh, Jesus, help me, and he says, well, I died on the cross for you. You're good. Now, that's true. But when you're like, I, I need money for groceries, and he says, I died on the cross for you. Like, yay. That's, we've over-spiritualized Jesus, and if Jesus were here, he would give you groceries. Um, he would feed you. That's what he did while he was here. He would probably multiply some Cheez-Its or something, and, and he'd, he'd take care of you. Hopefully not Cheez-Its. Sorry, we've been eating a lot of Cheez-Its at our house. Um, <laughs> goldfish, really. I don't know why I turned goldfish into Cheez-Its. Um, uh, that's, what's, that's why you don't just go off the fly. Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so and I, I get that, like, you are physical people. We are physical people with physical needs. And we need encouragement. And sometimes we need help moving, and we need someone to help us with our bills, or we just need someone because we are lonely. And that's where we don't say, well, Jesus doesn't give that. You need to get over it. It's that Jesus Christ meets those needs through his body. Now, how do you get anything done? You use your body to do it. How does Jesus get things done on this earth? How does he love people? How does he meet the needs of his people? Through his body. That's not unspiritual. That's, that's treating the body like it is the body of Jesus. So bring your needs to the body. This is, this is the fullness of grace that God has given us, that he doesn't just give us Jesus as the head of the body. He gives us the church as the, the body to work and to, to love the people of Christ. So please be part of that body that you may receive the full grace of Christ. All right, I hope that, I hope that then makes sense of why, why you'd want to serve in the body. That we are the hands and the feet, the eyes and the ears of Jesus in this world. And when the hand isn't doing its work, that's Jesus telling his hand to move and, and Jesus has, has nerve damage. That he wants to feed the poor, but, but his body is refusing to do it. Or this is Jesus limping around with a, with a dead leg because his foot has fallen asleep. He wants, he wants to go out and preach the gospel, but, but we're not listening to our head. And that's where we have this, this beautiful opportunity to, to do the work of Jesus, to embody the work of Jesus. That we, 
We know what Jesus, the head, would want, and so we as the body do it. Now that could have a guilt element if you didn't talk, if you didn't talk about this. It's a, think about what, what Jesus did in his physical body. His physical body. All right, so he took on human flesh. He took on the human body to do what? To suffer and to serve and to heal. To multiply food and to exercise demons from those who are oppressed. To do miracles to reveal himself. That Jesus used his body to be nailed to the cross. To receive lashes, to be flogged, to be humiliated. He took on a body so we could put the, the, corn of, the thorn of crowns on his head. Crown of thorns. Crown of thorns on his head. That he used his body to die and to give us life, to raise from the dead. And now as the body, we're called to do that same thing for the world. That Jesus has done that for us. We are now called to do that for the world. To suffer, to provide for the poor, to provide for the needy, to love those who are lonely, to bind up the broken, to die, and to bring resurrection hope to the world. I hope, I hope, that is not a burden, that's a joy to serve Jesus, to be the body of Jesus, and to be in the body of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you that that the works that we are called to bring no salvation to us because, Father, we, we struggle to do them. And, Father, you ask much. And we thank you that you have already provided the works that we need to be saved. And so, Father, I ask that all works that come out of the gospel would be uh, for our joy and acts of worship, not acts of obligation or guilt or shame. And, Father, I ask that you would knit us together as a body that we'd be a body centered upon Jesus, that we would love you and love doing your work. We would love embodying the gospel in this world. And Father, would you help us to be humble and to bring our needs and be dependent in this body, that we may see your, your gospel transform our lives and uh, Cecil County. And Father, there are needs, and so we ask that you mobilize your body. Show us our gifts and help us to sacrifice in using them that we may see your name glorified and many may receive the grace of Jesus. That we would be able to, to love you, Father, in the name of Jesus. We pray this in his name.